0: queer anarchist space where we smash the patriarchy by celebrating what is strong about being soft. Here we'll explore what is vulnerable, raw, hurt, healed, sensual, queer, and controversial. So join me and my friends from around the internet as we talk about deep shit and prove, as Janelle Monae said, that pink is the truth you can't hide. Hey kids! Mommy's back. Did you miss me? I missed you. I am officially back from break. I am back from my vacation and getting back into it. Uh, Today I'll give you some updates about what's been happening with me and then I want to talk about how to accept or handle help under capitalism because I feel like a lot of us have been brainwashed into thinking That we're horrible pieces of shit if anyone helps us or if we need help. So, I just wanna talk about that like very briefly today, just some thoughts I've had about it as someone who has needed a lot of help in the last two and a half years and who has also given a lot of help in the last two and a half years. um, I have thoughts. And then we're gonna end today with a mutual aid request because someone needs help. So, to kick it off, uh when I last left you, I had announced that I'd been diagnosed with SIBO and was starting treatment for that. I'm happy it was a it's been a twisty weird journey as things with digestive issues and gut imbalances often are. I'm not out of the woods yet, but I have seen improvements from taking a targeted antibiotic called Cifaxin. I think I'm Saying that correctly, and doing a SIBO specific diet and also low FODMAP diet, I was actually noticing a lot of improvements. Uh, the first thing to improve was my skin. My I have different little patches of eczema and different little skin issues. Um, I have like scalp dermatitis, which is this like waxy coating on my hair, and That may be TMI, but if someone else has this, I did not know what it was for years and years, and it, like, I just, I, like, I didn't know what it was. So, anyway, that's what it is if you also have that, (laughs) and it, it function, it's just, like, another form of dermatitis, and it's very frustrating, but use, like, a very, uh, clarifying shampoo, or you can use apple cider vinegar to kind of break it up, but it's uh, it's really frustrating, and I noticed, like, I was in the shower one day, and I was shampooing my hair, and I was like, oh my god, the shampoo's just going through my hair, and, like, it's not feeling stuck or whatever, and I, yeah, I just saw so many, like, that patch of eczema was gone, and my skin just looked very clear and very, like, glowing, so that's a good sign that because your skin and your digestion are so intimately connected that things were happening you know on kind of a deep gut level which was wonderful um, I noticed my brain fog cleared up quite a bit and uh, probably a few other things that I'm forgetting now just generally being less bloated having less um, fewer stomach aches after I eat things like that so I did notice some really good improvements things were headed in a great direction then I went on vacation <laughs> and ate whatever the fuck I wanted. <laughs> and so, unsurprisingly, I saw a reversal in a lot of the gains that I had. But fortunately, it does seem like something did kind of permanently shift or, you know, something was corrected because it it wasn't a full regression. I didn't have a full recurrence of symptoms. A lot of it was like my skin, um, you know, a lot of the skin issues coming back. So, I frankly have been kind of a mess since I got back from vacation. I'm still trying to figure out why, although I do think it's tied into uh, why I wanted to talk about the topic I'm going to talk about today. So we'll get into that later. But um, anyway, I my plan for treatment is for my continued treatment is to go back on a very strict low FODMAP diet, give myself like a month or two on that before I even try adding foods back in and then just add foods back in very slowly because when I started adding foods back in I also knew my trip was coming up so I was adding foods back in pretty quickly um the most common things that I was worried about uh not being able to eat on vacation so like garlic, onions, wheat, things like that and um I really I don't think I took like enough time to really sit and evaluate how those things might have been impacting me. So, I just want to take, like, the rest of the year and just be very careful and just give my, give my gut a long time to, you know, just heal, process all of this and work through it and also to just get, like, a very deep understanding of what foods, after healing has occurred, what foods are still giving me issues that I just may need to sadly avoid for the rest of my life. Which makes me want to puke because I love food and I just want to be able to eat all of it (laughs) and not have to worry. But, uh, you know, not all of us are blessed in that way. (laughs) So we'll see. Right now, I know for a fact that raw onions and raw garlic and a lot of garlic, even if it's cooked, are give me pretty massive issues and that is quite heartbreaking because I'm a savory girl and I love you know I love my aromatics um so that's been really hard also it's shocking how much flavor garlic and onions add to everything and also how much they are in everything i have had to cook every fucking thing from scratch and even like there's so many seasoning blends that I can't use. Even ones that I thought like I had a Italian herb seasoning in my spice cabinet and uh, I went to use it. and I don't know why I even thought to look, but I looked at the ingredients because I thought it was just all like herbs, you know, I thought it was just like basil, oregano, whatever. Um, but yeah, surprisingly, there was salt in it and also uh, garlic powder. And I was like, fuck, it's literally in everything. And then I started looking. I was trying to find, like, a chili powder without garlic in it, and I couldn't find one. And I couldn't have, like, bouillon cubes or any kind of bouillon base to use or any kind of broth that I could buy because they're all made with, you know, garlic and onions and fuck, at one point in my journey, I had to even avoid, uh, celery. It's, like, wild how many vegetables you can't eat because you're trying to avoid anything that, like, is highly fermentable, so any of the cruciferous vegetables you can't do, and I was, like, ugh, like, I, I live off of broccoli and cabbage and kale, and yeah, it's been, it's been tough, uh, but it also was, was, it wasn't horrible. It, it was hard, but it wasn't, um, I don't know, it got to a place at least where it was manageable. So I just need to get back to that place and give myself longer to, for my body to just like do what it needs to do. I mean, whatever has been wrong with me has been wrong with me for like going on 14 years, I think. Um, maybe even longer. I mean, I really had my first gut issues at 25. So, yeah, even, like, 15-ish years, and, um, you know, it's silly, it's silly for me to think that that was going to be resolved in, like, two weeks, (laughs) although I so badly wanted it to be resolved in two weeks. Uh, So, I feel good overall, you know, I feel good that I finally got a diagnosis that makes sense, and I feel really good that I feel like I know what to do, because that, you know, for the last, again, 14 years, I have not known what to do or I've thought I've known, but it's always been like something expensive and, and like a product or a program, you know, or hiring a new nu- nutritionist or a naturopath or whatever. This is like, this is just how I'm eating every day. This is just knowing what to eat and how to time it out and things like that. So I feel really good about it. Um, I also bought some uh, natural antimicrobials so instead of because I I did want to do another round of the antibiotic but my GI follow-up appointment was kind of bullshit. Unfortunately it was with a different guy and so, and he was just like not <laughs> I was just not very impressed with him. I'm sure he's fine like if something is happening but he didn't he was kind of like, oh, the worst of your issues are are over, great, you're fine. And I'm like, well, I'm not fine. Um, anyway, but I got these, uh, natural antimicrobials, m- antimicrobials, which should serve the same purpose. I've read that they're, they're also still pretty effective. So I'm going to do that in conjunction. And I'm on a little elemental fast right now for three days, just to kind of kickstart all of this. So I'm miserable. <laughs> but hopeful. And what else can we ask for in the year of our Lord 2022 but to be miserable but hopeful. So that's that um quick update on my shoulder. It's doing great. Uh you may remember I have a frozen shoulder. May or may not remember. And I've been doing physical therapy for that. I feel like the SIBO treatment helped bring down some inflammation in my body, which I think helped my shoulder a lot as well. And, yeah, the physical um, therapy has helped tremendously. They've given me really great stretches and exercises to do. And also they really get in there and massage it and stretch it and stuff. And I found, like, after every session where they really push it, it's so much better, like, the next day. Like, I have so much more range of motion back. They've been, like, this guy was, like, all up in my armpit at one point. Working something out, and it was very painful. But holy shit, the next day, my shoulder felt so much more loose. It was amazing. So that's been going really well. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping he was able to, when he stretches it for me, it's it's pretty much able to have full range of motion. So he said that's a good sign that I'll be able to get full range of motion back because it's it's able to do it. It's just like I can't do it myself. So that's been going well. It's just so nice. It's so wild when you suddenly can't do something with your body. Like I haven't been able to put my hands behind my head like in a relaxed pose, you know, where you like spread your elbows out. I like haven't really been able to do that now i can I can almost do it normally and it's just like, ah, <laughs> like who knew that was the thing that I love to do until I couldn't do it anymore. So that's been great. Um, so, yeah, I'm just I'm very hopeful for the rest of the year that I'll it, it's going to be hard staying on low FODMAP and um, having to cook all the time. And, you know, that will be a bit of a challenge. But um, I I feel very confident that I'm just going to feel better and better and that I'm going to be able to actually permanently heal and get my body into a better place where it's stronger. And then, you know, from there, I may have to always be careful about certain things, which will suck. Hopefully not. But if that is the case, then, you know, it's better than feeling like absolute garbage all the time and being sick all the time. So wish me luck and I'll keep you all updated if there's any big big news. I also at some point have realized I've learned so much about food and digestion and gut health that I would like to do a video about that at some point. I may also do a video and or episode. I may also do one about sleep and about blood sugar because I've learned a lot about all of these things, stuff I wish I knew a long time ago. Um, So it's it's been a pretty interesting journey in terms of being someone who is really interested in health and learning all these things and being able to apply it to my own body and actually see results. So it's been uh, it's been an experience. <laughs> when it comes to the show, so I have decided I will continue to do Pink Spots the podcast for the foreseeable future. I'll be posting once a month though and I think perhaps I'll have to look at it, but I may choose to do it early in the month. Like, I'll try to schedule it roughly the same time every month so that it's reliable. So, I'm thinking probably maybe the first week of every month or every four weeks. I don't know. I have to figure out some cadence, but I will be posting regularly again. Also, I got messages from people that Apple seemed to be fixed. The the iTunes Apple podcast issue where new episodes of my show weren't showing up to people who are subscribed, all of a sudden I got messages from a bunch of people that they were like, oh my god, you're still podcasting, and like, you've been doing it, and I just got, I just saw, like, I just got the notification that you have more episodes, and I was like, huh, weird, um, because I, maybe I'm forgetting, but I don't think I did anything to fix it, so happy accident, I'll take it, but happily, yeah, a lot of people who thought I had stopped podcasting and who, you know, are big fans of me and my work. (laughs) It always sounds so weird to say. Uh, But, you know, people who support me were messaging me saying they were, like, so happy that I hadn't stopped and that I had kept going and that they had all this stuff to catch up on. So, that's very happy. And, um, Apparently, all I had to do to get higher download numbers was quit the show because that episode had huge numbers compared to everything else. So, we'll see what my average numbers are going forward, but hopefully that helped me maybe bump my average up a little bit as I move forward because the show has just been so stagnant, as I mentioned. Um, It would be really cool to see some upward trajectory around here. And then the last thing I want to announce or update on, um, I really want to, so people who have followed me in different avenues, like live streaming on a little to the left or perhaps in the Discord server, maybe in a book club or whatever, know that I've been obsessed with the Johnny Depp Amber Heard defamation trial and have been really advocating for Amber Heard and really want to do um, some pretty serious kind of internet journalism reporting on the whole situation because obviously this whole thing has been a shit show and it's been so triggering for us survivors and... in just so many ways, this thing is horrendous and I have a lot to say about it. And I got so deep into it that I know a bunch of stuff that most people don't know. And I think there's a lot of people who would support Amber. They just don't know about it because they didn't want to know about it. And maybe have just heard like very high level, some stuff that makes her look bad and and have just kind of written it off, not really understanding how serious the whole situation is. So I have a series planned, at least I think it's at least 5 parts that I want to do about the whole situation. And and you know, I think it's like I know some people are like, "Oh, these are just two celebrities who gives a shit," but it's it's actually very important. It it connects into a lot of stuff that we've been seeing like the Trump uh, election For instance, like, a lot of the tactics used in this trial were very similar to tactics used by the Trump campaign, and that's because some of the same people were involved. Well, not directly, but you'll see. (laughs) Um, But it's, it's just... To me, this trial was a big piece of what has been happening in the United States and in other countries for a while now, which is just mass disinformation and kind of trial by internet and, you know, everything becoming a meme and all of these things that really threaten, um, I was going to say our democracy, but like what fucking democracy? But you know what I mean? All of these things that are just really dangerous and are, and are, contributing to the acceleration that we've been seeing of fascism, um, in, in some of these like Western imperialist countries. So anyway, I don't know where that's going to (laughs) go. Um, I'm trying to figure out which project that makes the most sense for that to go on. So that might be posted here. Or that might be posted somewhere else, Um, but I will let you all know for anyone who's interested. And I would just say, like, if you, like, you're wrong about, I think it's, like, a pretty similar vibe of what I'm planning to do, although I'm going to be, like, probably even more intense about it. Uh, but yeah, I'm just hoping to do something that's like really well structured and well organized. I initially was going to do YouTube videos and I might do that at some point, but it's really overwhelming. There's so much research to do and so many resources and so many things to look up because if you've ever watched and been really into a trial, I mean, there's just a hundred little details that come up and like need to be verified and, and I want to basically base my entire series on what hard evidence was presented so I can kind of get away from, you know, witnesses who may or may not be lying or whatever. I just want to look at, like, what do we know from, like, hard evidence that was submitted, and even that is still can be somewhat subjective, but I think for a lot of people it will kind of blow your minds. It's, like, um reminds me of um maybe, like, a Loretta Bobbitt situation, and people have also compared it to the Clarence Thomas trials with Anita Hill, you know, it's very in that vein of men being violent or being horrible and then the woman getting vilified for speaking out about it, basically. So, I'm excited about that, but I'm also overwhelmed by it, and um, I was hoping to get it done much earlier. It was actually one of the things I hoped to work on while I was taking a break from this show, and I just, like, couldn't... Get it done, it was just too much at once, like trying to figure out how to eat and how to cook. And going through, uh, I during my SIBO treatment, I had a few weeks where I was just having really intense headaches and migraines every day and wasn't sleeping. And it, it was just very difficult for me to even get my job done. So it's it's been it's kind of over, it's a kind of project I would probably want to take a couple six months a year, even to a few years to work on, but I also want it to come out while it's timely. So anyway, keep, if that's interesting to you, I will be announcing that whenever I finally do it, uh, here and, you know, on my social media accounts and, um, either I will post it here or I'll post it somewhere else and let you know, but that will be coming at some point. (laughs) All right. Whoo. Woo! Those are all my updates, babes. So, uh, before we move on. Money, please. My money. Aw, did you miss hearing that? I missed putting that into an episode. I want to say a massive thank you to a bunch of you who came forward uh, to sign up for my Patreon When I announced that I was taking a break and, um, you know, turning it off for a couple months, um, I definitely lost a lot of patrons, so I really appreciate the show of support. It was just really beautiful to have published that episode and then to see the little emails coming in saying, you have a new patron. Um, so I want to say a very special thank you to Cranador, Angela, Jess, Chelsea, The Kind Passion Project, and Alexia. So thank you all so very much. And again, thank everyone for any messages you sent, any conversations we had about this. I had such a beautiful outpouring of support. And also just, like, getting to talk to other artists, other creatives um, about, like, you know, what I was talking about and how they feel about their own work. It's been, um, it's been interesting, like, having this job and feeling some financial stability and how that sort of changed my relationship to the creative work that I do. I think ultimately for the better, um, but also how you're kind of sad that, like, that's something you had to do but I heard from so many of you that you have experienced that as well and then so that was cool just to talk to other peers basically about your experience and like how you emotionally process that and how how you felt about it when it happened to you and then also to hear from people just um who are fans of you know that you would, a lot of you were like, I'll support whatever you do, so just do what you want to do, and I'll follow you, and that's always very cool to hear as a creative who has a lot of different interests, so thank you all. I love our little internet family here. It's been uh, just wonderful growing and changing and evolving with all of you along the way, So today, um, as I mentioned, I think this is going to be fairly quick. I don't have a ton to say. I knew the updates would take a while, but I had, and this ties into the mutual aid request that I have for today, but as a lot of you know, my sister's been going through a really hard time. Uh, We had a fundraiser for her last year when she got injured on the job and just got really fucked over by the state because... The, her husband had a stroke two years ago from a heart anomaly that no one even knew he had at the age of 30. It was a massive stroke. He's had to relearn so many things and has not been able to work or take care of the kids. He's needed a lot of help and support as he was in recovery, so my sister became his caretaker um, officially, you know, through the state, she was his caretaker. So she was getting a small stipend for that. It took him 13 months to get disability, which is just absolutely fucking bonkers. You know, he had a massive stroke, like what else? I just don't understand. I mean, I do because capitalism, but yeah, it took them a very long time to get disability, and then when they finally did get it for him, it doesn't even cover their rent. So then my sister was in a position to be taking care of two to three kids. She has her uh, first kid part of the year, so she, at any time she's taking care of two to three kids, taking care of her husband, who now has special needs, and is and her children also um, have special needs from being ASD, one of them, and also having speech delays. And also, she was in the position of having to, you know, provide their single income, their only income. And then she got injured at a new job she had just switched to because they allowed her to work as much overtime as she wanted. So she was working up to 17 hours a day, up to seven days a week and got a stress injury and then didn't qualify for workers' comp because she was new to the job and then also apparently didn't qualify, according to the state, for unemployment because they said, well, her primary job was as a caretaker, which she still had, and so she wasn't technically unemployed. It's all so infuriating. So we had the fundraiser for her, which helped a bit. But as you can imagine, having a family of four or five and having, you know, not enough money coming in, she's just drowning in debt at this point and uh, reached out to me this week and said that she was like in a really dark place and, you know, her, her account had been overdrawn and she just was at the point where it's like, I don't know what to do And I don't know, like, that I can handle this. So I sprung into action and reached out to a pretty big leftist YouTuber who has a really great platform with mutual aid kind of built into it and begged them to promote her GoFundMe on their next video, which they, thank God, agreed to do. So I think we'll be able to get her a good influx of cash through that. Um, I've also reached out to all of my content creator friends and asked them to promote her PayPal, um, you know, on Twitter uh, and wherever they thought they could get attention on it and to also reach out to any other content creators they knew that had like decent sized platforms and see if they would be willing to mention it on a stream, on Twitter, on a video, whatever. So, fortunately, we've had a good amount of cash come in, it, but my sister needs a lot of help. And part of the problem is she's had surgeries that were supposed to correct the issue. And instead, she has nerve pain and numbness in her leg, and they don't know why. And so, and none of the medications they've given her for it have helped. So, she's in pain and extremely uncomfortable, like all day, every day. She can't go back to work. And this is all just taking way longer than it was supposed to. And it already was a pretty dire situation. So putting stuff in place and we're trying to find a way to make her whole and, and come up with a sustainable, um, sustainable income for her while she's going through this. So she can just focus on healing because I know from my own experience, especially with all of the SIBO stuff, realizing, like, how much stress has impacted my body and just, like, the ways it can get trapped in your body. And I'm not saying her nerve pain is and numbness is necessarily psychosomatic. That's not what I'm getting at. But I'm saying, like, I know the, the weird ways that stress can show up in your body and also just the way that it prevents you from healing. So I think her living in a state of like constant terror, there. I, it's just not surprising to me that she's just not healing from her surgery and that this injury is not, is gotten worse, not better. So for me, it's like we need to get you to where... Well, for, uh, for all of us who have jumped in to help, it's like we need to get you to where you're not living in terror every day and let your body, you know, hopefully with removing that huge amount of stress, then you can just focus on healing and hopefully that helps with the healing. You know, maybe that will help something shift or w- at least in the very least, it's not another thing you have to worry about because I know from my own experience being in pain and also being afraid financially is fucking horrendous. It's just, it's absolute torture. Like if there was a hell for me, like that would be my hell, you know? So the reason I bring this up is A, yes, I'm asking for help. (laughs) Um, but I want to say because my sister needs so much help and I know I've already tapped this well several times, like if someone has money that they can give and would like to do that, please do so. Like it it's super helpful. Um, and I'll talk about more about that in a minute. But we're trying what we're really what I'm trying to do is like go out to the internet and get this in front of like hundreds of thousands of people, tens of thousands at least, but hundreds of thousands if possible, and um really like truly like crowdsource you know, supporting her. So, I'm not looking, like, my audience is so small and has given to me and her so many times. So, I'm looking, like, can we get this out to, like, a much broader audience and, you know, help really, like, as a community get her to be okay. So, what I'm looking for more so from all of you is... If, you're, if you know anyone who is a disability lawyer or advocate, or you know anyone who might know a disability lawyer or advocate, that could be really helpful. I would really like to get my sister a consultation with someone trustworthy who can just let her know if she truly does not qualify for anything, then fine, but if she does, then you know, just what are, what's the first step towards that thing? And then from there we'll figure it out. So I'm looking to see if there's anyone who would mind dedicate, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Donating a consultation to her just to see, like, are there even options for her? Yes or no? And then from there, like, if we need to hire someone, then we'll do that. You know, we'll pay for somebody if it's just forms she needs to fill out and people she needs to call. We'll figure that out and get her support for that. But it's just hard to know right now, like, is there even any options? So anyone in that realm would be extremely helpful if they would be willing. And I have a lot of people working on this, but I'm just putting the call out. And then the other thing that I thought could be really helpful is she has been able to work a little bit doing her jewelry. And her, um, she makes a lot more than just jewelry, but so making her things, she's been going to craft fairs and selling it, but, uh, you know, it's hard to grow a business like that, so it's hard to grow any business. (laughs) Um, like an anti-capitalist podcast is hard to grow. Um, so, if if anyone listening knows or is someone who could do, like, some kind of business consultation, someone who offers website services, um, mentoring, if there's anyone listening or knows anyone who has a jewelry business or something, some kind of craft-oriented business that's successful, I would love if you're willing to dedicate or if that person be willing to donate some time To consulting her, I think that that would be great because she really just likes doing the work of making the things. And so I think I want to help long-term her figure out what is sustainable. And so hearing from someone like, what would it take to make this profitable? How many items a week would I have to sell and make? You know, things like that to start working around like Can this happen? And also how getting advice and mentoring of like how to make that happen. Because again, I've had my internet stuff going on, but it's hard to say if any of it's been (laughs) successful. It certainly has never supported me. So it's like I feel that the advice I can offer is limited. And also I make content. I don't make um, goods. And I do feel like that's a bit different, you know, the navigating the world of Etsy and navigating Instagram from that perspective, all of that is very different from what I've done. So I'm hoping if there's anyone who knows anyone or is anyone who could maybe offer some guidance and support in that way, that would be really cool. I've donated time to her to help with rebranding, so I'm helping her with like logo design and choosing a new business name and really getting clear on what she's making, who the target audience is, and what kind of vibe and aesthetic she's going for. So, we'll be working on that. That's what I'm good at. Um, but unfortunately, beyond that, I can't offer a lot. I might be able to help with a website, but my skills are fairly, fairly limited. So, anyway, that's the big ask for help. So, moving back to the topic, um, I wanted to talk about this concept of accepting help from people under capitalism because when my sister reached out and, you know, let me know that she was having such a hard time, I just, like, fell apart. And I was, you know, reaching out to all of my friends to ask for help and, like, call in the troops, (laughs) so to speak, for support and, you know, figure out a plan. And I just, like, could not leave a message that wasn't me just crying. And I'm not one. I I do get emotional sometimes, but, like, I'm not one to often. I mean, I was just, like, sobbing. Um, Like, I would try to leave a message and I couldn't get it through it without crying, so I would, like, delete it. And I'd be like, okay, just cry it out. And I would like sob and I'd be like, okay, you know, like let it out and then try to like leave this message again. I think (laughs) with one friend, I tried to leave a message like six times and then I just had to like accept that all of these messages were going to be me like crying. And I think I'm saying this for a couple different reasons. One, connecting back to what I said before, I don't think I had fully realized how much stress I was internalizing from this whole situation. Obviously, I have felt very bad for my sister. Obviously, I've wanted to help her and I've been trying to help her. I've been sending her as much money as I can and, you know, I've been trying to help in that way, but I didn't realize also like how bad it had gotten. And it's just been one of those death by a thousand cuts kind of situations where. You know, a surgery was, a surgery was supposed to help. Well, even at first, I think it was, like, maybe she got shots or something. It it was just this whole series of things, like, this is supposed to help, and then she can go back to work, and then it didn't help, and then this is supposed to help, and then she can go back to work, and then it didn't help. Or shit, like, once we went in, we realized, like, you need two more surgeries, So, now it's going to be who knows how long. And then every time she has a follow-up appointment, she's like, when am I going to be able to go back to work? And they're like, "Mm, we don't know. Like, we'll do another follow-up in a couple weeks. So, it's really hard and I've been in that kind of situation where you think that the situation is going to end and then it just keeps not, it's almost like having your flight delayed a bunch of times And instead of your flight being delayed, like getting a notice that, oh, your flight's delayed seven hours, so you can be like, oh, okay, I can go back home and I can like, you know, do X, Y, Z thing and I have all this time. It's just, oh, wait 15 minutes, wait 30 minutes, wait 45 minutes, wait 15 minutes. And then before you know it, you've just been at the airport all day and you're dehydrated and you're hungry and you're cranky, you know, and you're just having like a really hard time. And that's kind of... (laughs) in a way, like, how this has happened for her is, like, she can't plan. None of us can plan because we don't know what the hell is going to happen. And that's so stressful. And, yeah, I think having the full weight of, like, how bad it is hit me fully because she finally told me how bad it really is released something in me where I realized, like, I have just been, like, Anxious, you know, just experiencing this kind of, like, subconscious anxiety all the time about it. And, it. and it colors all of my own actions. Like, you all know that I've been struggling for years and years and years now with this constant stress of wanting to do creative work full-time. So, really killing myself to, you know, for instance, do a podcast episode every week while I had a full-time job or... Even in times where I'm not producing something, I'm always thinking about how I should be producing something. And it's been very hard for many portions of my life for me to relax ever, even when I'm exhausted and even with the fact that I'm chronically ill and I just don't have enough spoons to be producing constantly. And I know so many of us feel this in so many different ways, even if you're not a content creator. You know, you might be someone who just thinks like, oh, I didn't exercise today or I watched three episodes of a TV show instead of doing the dishes or whatever it is. Like, we all just have this pressure feeling like we're supposed to be doing things constantly. And that is really hard. And I felt like I had finally made some peace. Like, when I got my job, I felt a sense of relief because I was like, okay, even though, like, I also felt disappointment and maybe a little embarrassment or what there was like a swirl of emotions with the fact that I had to get a job but it also was kind of like when you finally break up when you're worried someone's going to break up with you and you're just kind of like all right it happened and I might have bad feelings about it but at the same time I'm just relieved because now it's happened I don't have to worry about it happening because it happened and now I can kind of like process and move forward and that's sort of how I felt with getting a job is like, okay, if I want to look at it from a positive aspect, then I now have financial security and I can allow my creative work to go back to being something that just fulfills me creatively and I can also like evaluate all my projects from that perspective, like would I want to do this? Whether or not I end up making money from it, you know, and the answer is no. <laughs> I always want to make money. No, I'm just kidding, but but you know what I'm saying. Like, can I like like when I do Red Shirt Collective right now, Mike and I do that for the joy of doing it, and it is really fun to do. It would be nice if we were making money through it because money is helpful, you know, under capitalism. But, like, we will do that podcast just for the hell of it, even if it never takes off and never gets, you know, what I would consider a decent amount of listeners or downloads. Like, it is just so fun to do, and it's so fun to talk to the people who listen to it. Like, honestly, I would do it just for the friends that I have that listen to it because it's super fun to talk to them after they've listened to an episode to talk to them about it. Like, that is worth it. Anyway... I'm kind of going on a tangent. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. But the point is, like, I had hit a point where I felt like I could kind of process this whole, my whole life and my ambitions and my goals and kind of, like, come to a good, realistic understanding of my situation and allow that to, instead of being Allowing myself to be sad and be whatever, but also like allowing that to be freeing. And it was like I started doing nothing on the weekends and actually like really enjoying it and feeling like, whoo, I just worked all week. I'm taking the weekend off. I'm going to do fun stuff. I'm going to focus on myself, you know? And it was nice. And I felt like I was making some headway. But then what happened is like, then I realized I, if I, if I can sustain myself with my job, then any other money I had coming in could help sustain my sister. So that pressure just kind of like reignited. And now it's even worse because obviously, well, I'm assuming other people are like this. I'm like this. If I'm doing something for someone else, especially someone else in need, then that pressure is going to be twice as much as doing it for myself. So... I realized like that tension was there and then just of course the tension and fear for my sister and her family and knowing so well being a leftist activist, being an anti-capitalist person, you know, someone who understands how the system works and having experienced a lot of it myself, just having that like deep terror of knowing how families fall through the cracks and how... Like, it absolutely could happen that they can end up unhoused. It could absolutely happen that just, I don't even want to go there. Like, just so many bad things could realistically happen, and this is exactly how they happen. And this is what, like, middle-class people don't, you know, don't know how the system works, and they don't understand that this is literally the everyday occurrence of people who are eaten up by the system, you know, or just completely stepped on and ignored. I mean, my sister's a very hard worker. She is, in a lot of ways, the embodiment of, like, the American ideal of, like, someone who served in the Navy, you know, someone who works as many hours as she can get and she's always so grateful to have a job and like to have hours and just go 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 and like pushing it and always believing that it's on her shoulders to do better and earn more and move up and you know just has like she got a medical discharge from the navy that didn't allow for her to get benefits she's just been fucked over in every conceivable way by the system And this is how, this is how families fail, you know, putting fail in quotes. Um, And also my own experience being in constant pain and my own experience of financial terror. And I'm an empath. (laughs) Um, but really, though, I am very empathetic. And, you know, just, just that, that difficulty of processing, like, I know exactly, well, I don't know exactly what she's going through, because I've never had to do it with also a family, you know, it's always just been me, which is already terrifying enough. And then, on top of that, she's got a family that's depending on her and just, just in general needs support. So, my point is, like, when I had this fucking meltdown, and I'm still today, it's, like, you know, two days later, and I'm still not, like, recovered. I'm, like, so exhausted and just kind of have this, like, mildly headachy kind of heavy feeling in my head that I always get after I cry a lot and I just feel emotionally like and like I feel like a shell of a person emotionally I just feel like hollow inside because I'm like just so emotionally exhausted and just questioning like why did I have such a big reaction to this and then realizing that I think it was a release of like everything that I had been holding and not super consciously aware of. Like, if you had asked me, are you worried about your sister? Of course, I would have said yes, but I didn't realize, like, how much it was integrating into my everyday life. And, and again, you know, every time I only got a few hours at work because my schedule has still been kind of inconsistent. (sighs) Um, just thinking like, you know, that's hard for me because I need more money. Like I'm, I need to pull, like I was, I was broke for two and a half years and experiencing really financial stress. So it's like, there's a lot, like I have debts I need to pay off and I have a savings account I need to build back up and I have to save for taxes for next year. Like I, I need money. So that's, like, stressful, but I would always just think, like, oh, like, fuck, you know, now I can't give her money, you know? Like, I feel that I'm failing as a provider, basically, I guess. And I didn't really realize, like, I knew it was there, but I didn't realize, like, how much it was affecting me until I just had this, like, meltdown and just felt so scared for her. Um. So I want to say, you know, and she and I have had a little bit of a conversation. We might have more conversations about... We've had a few conversations and we might have more conversations about her discomfort in receiving help and her trying to process things like shame and guilt and feeling like a failure for needing help, even though clearly none of this is her fault at all. But that's how we're taught to feel under capitalism, right? Like, if anyone helps us, we're a burden. And if anyone helps us, it's because we failed at something and then someone has to come in and rescue us. And that's supposed to make us feel really bad. But I tell my story of how I was feeling because, and I told her this, like, part of receiving help, I think, is understanding that for the people who care about you, they're helping you because they want you to feel safe. And they want to take the danger away from you of whatever the danger is. And they want you to feel, like, good in whatever way that means, you know? And so by by allowing the shame and... Get, and, and please be, like, gentle with my language here. But... Because I know allowing could be loaded, but just... Just hear the the overall message, not the, like, details of what I'm saying. By allowing the shame and guilt to be primary in how you're engaging with the people who are helping you, I feel, and this is how I feel as someone who's received help, and then this is how I feel very much as someone who's giving help, there, there's several things that happen, but, like, I think one of the things that maybe could help people process this better and kind of move past that point is that if the people helping you are expending their money, their energy, time, care, you know, whatever it is that they're giving you to help, like, they are doing it again to make sure that you, to do what they can to make you feel safe, make you whole, make you feel loved, you know, and, and dwelling in the shame and the guilt and the sense of failure is essentially, it's not intentionally, but it's essentially a rejection of all of that. It's kind of like saying, oh, you're here and you're trying to make me feel better, but I just want to feel bad, so I'm just going to feel bad. And I know that's not, obviously no one's doing that consciously, but that is kind of what happens. And I think the problem is that, again, in our culture, our modern day culture, I do think that we're taught to try to feel bad. (laughs) I do think that, I mean, we see it in so many different ways. Like if someone's like, yeah, I know I'm a good person or I know I'm hot or I know I'm really good at my job. Like people will be like, oh, arrogant much. You know, even in that small way, it's like we're not supposed to feel good about ourselves and we're not supposed to be okay with things. And I think one of the biggest things we're not supposed to be okay with is needing and getting help and so I think there's this mechanism built in that it's like yeah like you are supposed to get all into your feelings and find like if someone's relieving the stress that you had then you have to seek out something else to feel bad about and that shame and that guilt and that sense of failure are always right there they're like hey <laughs> you need to feel bad oh hi we're right here we've been waiting for you so I think hope maybe it can be helpful because it was helpful to me and I have one friend in particular that I can thank for like kind of helping me get to this place because we talked about her help like her helping other people and how they were responding to that and her feelings about it and it helped me like Be able to have these conversations in a way that wasn't personal to me, which is why I'm hoping me having this conversation with you in a way that isn't personal to you may help if you struggle with this. But, you know, just just hearing from her side of being someone who is trying to who is helping someone and like the way they were responding and how it made her feel and how she was processing that was really eye opening for me and now as someone who i mean it's not like i've never helped anyone before in my life but like this is this is not just this but like i think for a lot of us you know from 2020 onward i think there has been an upsurge in mutual aid and and kind of an opening and i know that i have like really I've been doing my best to promote stuff uh, for people, to promote help for people. I'm trying to get back into Instagram because I want to have a platform that that is active where I can actually get eyeballs on stuff. When people need help, it makes me feel bad that, you know, I post something and it's like only a few hundred people see it at most. I want to have like, an Instagram or Twitter or something where I can post something and like, thousands of people see it. That would be great. And then I can get people help. But I just know how I feel when I give someone money, when I give someone help in whatever way. It's, like, hard to explain, but it's, like, once it leaves my hands or once the thing is done, it's done for me. And I'm not, like, sitting around thinking about it. I'm, you know, it's just, like, someone needed help and I help them, and then I just move on with my day, and yeah, giving someone, like, a massive amount of money seems like it would be different than if you saw someone who dropped something on the sidewalk and you picked it up for them, you know, or like, hey, you dropped something, or if you saw someone trip and you helped them up, but, like, honestly, it feels the same to me. It's, like, yeah, you needed help. I helped you, and now I'm, like, continuing on my way to the grocery store and it's really not a big deal. And I might have the afterglow, you know, I'll remember helping someone, but it, but I'm not sitting there being like running it over and over and over in my head that, oh, I helped somebody today. I helped somebody today and like they needed help and like how pathetic that they needed help. And, you know, it's not how typically how people who help process things. Now, I know there are people who do, But I would say those people aren't like really helping or it's just a different thing. There are certainly people who love to lord it over other people that they've helped you and you owe them and, you know, want to give you shit. Oh my God, I have a story. So I was, I don't even remember like why, but anyway, I was at work and I have my little cart with me. I have this, like, cart that helps me go grocery shopping without having uh, a car. So I have this cart with me. And it was kind of cold So in the morning, so I had had my jacket and I brought it with me. And I think I, like, ran. I was at work and I took my cart and I ran to the grocery store to get food so that I didn't have to do it after work. And I was and I got hot because I walked to the store and then walked back. So, I took my coat off and I put it on the cart thing and it has like a snap over cover. So, I think I put it like on top of the the bag part and under the cover part thinking that that would like hold it in place and it slipped out and I didn't realize. And I didn't realize for a few blocks. And then I did realize, you know, I stopped at a stoplight or something. and I looked at the cart and saw that my coat was missing. I was like, oh, shit. So I started to backtrack. And these two old women, older women had my coat. And I was like, oh, thank you. Thank God. Like, I just realized, you know, I didn't have it. And thank you so much. And they were like, you shouldn't, you should take better care of your things. You shouldn't have, they're like, I watched it and just like fell off the top of your thing. Like why you should like take, you know, you should strap it down more. You should keep it in your hand. And I just was like literally almost told them to go fuck themselves. I was so fucking mad. I just grabbed my coat and walked away. Like, and I tried saying thank you a couple times and that all I got back was them, like, yelling at me about how I fucked up and, like, was so irresponsible with my coat. Anyway, (laughs) so, yes, people have that vibe. But, so what I'm I'm talking about today is not related to that and I hope that's obvious. This is when people just genuinely help you and are happy to do so and then you have your own narrative running in your head because again, I think we're programmed to not just be happy and not just feel okay. And the system tells us like if we need anything, we're a piece of shit. And so to receive help, even from people who are like, oh, you need help? Like, that totally makes sense. Like, me and my friends, when we give someone help, we have, like, a systemic critique about it. You know, it's like if someone needs money for something, we're like, yeah, of course you do because capitalism. You know, of course you do because racism, misogyny. Of course you do. Like, we get it. Ableism. You know what I mean? Like, we get it. And we're just like, anyone who ever needs money... Completely makes sense because we're living in a system that requires you to need money all the time and then makes it really hard for most people to have enough of it. So in conclusion, <laughs> um, I just I hope this was helpful in some way. I just feel that sometimes and again, it's unintentional, but I think it goes back to a lot of the episodes I've done about having no sense of self, having low self-esteem, you know, having unresolved trauma, having these different things. I think one of the ways it manifests is in this kind of like, almost like a shame fetish. It's like we all think that the only way to be good little girls and boys is to be full of shame all the time. And and it's very performative. And it doesn't mean that I don't think people actually feel ashamed. I think they do. But my point is, I think there's, um, there's like a societal script that a lot of us think we're supposed to follow when someone gives us help. Where we're supposed to acknowledge it over and over and over. And we're supposed to kind of grovel a little bit. And we're supposed to you know, be extremely grateful and then we're supposed to feel bad that we needed help and we need to express that shame and that guilt. And what I'm trying to say is that for people who have, are not in that headspace and are giving help because they just genuinely care about the person and or because of their politics and or because of whatever it is, like, I would do almost this much for literally anybody. Like, I genuinely have wanted to make more money or a lot of money for years now just to be able to distribute it to other people who need help. Like, I would be the person who would go on a GoFundMe and give, like, thousands of dollars. You know what I mean? So, it's like, yes, of course, I'm going to do everything I can for my sister, But it's not even about that, really. It's about, like, I think part of it is is you start to feel, and this is what me and my friend talked about, too, is, like, you feel like the person that you're helping doesn't even see you for who you are because they're too wrapped up in this shame script. And it's, like, I would want anyone close to me to just know that I'm someone who helps because that's what I do. Like, because it's the right thing to do and it, and because, like, I, it's not even, like, this altruistic thing, honestly. Like, like, it is, but it's not, I, I just help because, like, I just have to help. Like, (laughs) that's just it. Like if someone needs help and I and I am able to help, I'm going to help. Like that's just who I am at my core as a person. And I credit, you know, my autism a lot with that. And I think a lot of autistic people are like that. And I know a lot of my friends are autistic and they are like, the second I called and left these tearful messages, they were like, this is my problem now too. You know, it's it's not like they're helping me with my sister. They're like, Taking personal ownership of a a human being being in need, and what resources do we have to help that human being not be in need anymore? And that's how I feel too. And so it also feels like a rejection of self, you know, or, or a rejection of other, I guess for the person that you're helping to not just understand that you're a person who helps and to be acting like you would ever want them to be, like, grateful. That, that word to me is very loaded. So hopefully, obviously, you can thank me if you want. That's nice. But I don't, I don't need, like, gratitude. I don't need someone to be, like, in my debt forever or, like, I don't need this to alter our relationship, you know? I want to just go back to, like, normal. Um, I don't want this to be, like, a weird thing that's now between us and a big piece of this for me was, like, needing so much fucking help over the last two and a half years and getting so much help from my friends, you know, to the point where it's, like, I couldn't go on vacation to go visit them without them like financially helping and they were happy to do so and that is something that it was hard not to feel like a burden because none of my friends are like wealthy you know none of my friends have money to just like throw around so it's like they could manage it but you know it it is it is adding some kind of stress some kind of financial stress to them. But I also was like, well, what am I gonna go on this vacation and then just be like feeling bad the whole time? You know what I mean? And like, can I see this is such an act of love that someone would pay for for the for me to be there? Like someone wants me there bad enough that they were like, absolutely, like if we need to cover the lodging, you know, we'll do that. And my other friends, like, yeah, if we need to cover food, like we'll do that. And just like not even think twice about it. It was like, of course we want you here. What is it gonna take to get you here? And that's what we're gonna do. And I hope this makes sense, but it's just like to me, it just finally clicked. And I think from my previous conversations with my friend about her stuff that really helps, But it was like, yeah, like, if I don't just receive this with, like, joy and love, then it's kind of, like, shitting all over what they're doing because what they're doing is trying to spend time with me because they love me. They want to see me. And so, for me to just feel ashamed about it and just be guilty and feel like a failure and, like, bring all that vibes and energy into the situation is kind of, like, an offense to this beautiful thing they did for me. And I know for them, they feel the way I feel where it's like, okay, I paid for it. It's done. Like, I'm not thinking about it anymore. I'm just like, hey, good to see you. You know, I'm glad you're here. It's not, I'm not like running. I'm not keeping a tally in my head the whole time. So, I hope that helps people. Um, I hope that helps people on both sides because it can be hard to articulate. I've had a hard time processing, like, when I help someone and their reaction to that, sometimes I get really upset and it's been hard to sort of articulate like what is upsetting me about how this person is reacting to my help. Because for me, I just get, I just get really deeply uncomfortable by someone being like too grateful. It, it makes me feel like there's a power imbalance that I, that I absolutely did not want to establish with my help and kind of the opposite. You know, it's like I'm I'm trying to help you get back to some kind of equilibrium. I'm not trying to be like over you. But I think like we don't have good scripts in our culture for how to just graciously accept help and not and not have it change the dynamic and not have it make us feel bad and how to thank someone enough because I think there are a lot of people who feel like they can't be thanked enough and and want something to come up a lot and I just want to say for the record like that's fucked up you know like I would never help someone and expect anything in return in fact like I somewhat recently I think a few months ago someone put out on um Twitter, like, put their Venmo and was like, I really need uh, this much money for, like, gas and groceries or something. I think they asked for, like, 25 bucks, and I sent them, like, 50 bucks. And this is someone that I do have, like, something of a connection to, and they just, like, never said anything. And I was like, okay, you know, like, it would have been nice to more just to, like, connect with that person But, like, if I see them post again, I would, like, that they need money, I would still send them money again, you know, because I just would. Even though they, like, have never, I think I've sent them money before as well, and, like, they've just never once acknowledged it, and it's like, all right, that's fine, you know? So, I think, like, I don't know. I, now I could go into a whole thing about manners and how fucked up those are, but I just think, you know, thinking someone once sincerely should be very sufficient. And once you do that, you should just like work to absorb and internalize the love and also to work to make it about the other person and not make it about you. Because, frankly, when you're, like, all full of shame and fear, like, failure and guilt and all this stuff, like, then you make it about you, which is, like, something I've talked about before. Um, a lot of times, like, people who apologize a lot, it's like, I I know that they w- people's heads would probably explode, but it's like, you are actually making things about you. I know you're, like, groveling and you're, like... Oh, I hate myself and like, you know, I'm so whatever, but it's like, but you're, you're, you're always centering, like that is a way that you're centering the interaction onto yourself. So it's like, we all have to have the confidence to just sincerely speak to one another and then be okay to move forward. And I think with help, that's another realm where we can practice this. You know, if someone does something nice for us, we can say a sincere thank you and then just move the fuck on. And I also think being direct is another way that can help this a lot because I find and I've, I've been guilty of this myself, like kind of hinting around that you need help and hoping someone will just pop up and then help you. And then you do that, like, weird dance about, like, thanking them and groveling and being, you know, grateful. But I think, like, it's just much healthier to say, I need help. Here's what I need. Can someone provide that for me or can you provide that for me? And if they agree to it and can, then just thank them and, like, move on. And I think that's just, like, a more authentic way to engage with one another And I think if you're full of shame and guilt and failure, then it's very hard to just be direct about needing help. I think it's hard to be direct about needing help before things turn to absolute shit. This was something I was talking about to another friend, but like that that shame and guilt will keep you from asking to borrow, you know, $50 before you need to borrow (laughs) $5,000. You know what I mean? That's like can can we put out the fire before the whole house is ablaze kind of thing, you know? So I think processing that and and just seeing it as something that is not virtuous and it's not good because I just think we're taught so many things that are supposed to be seen as kind of, like, good traits to have. Like, I think part of being humble and being modest is also being, like, really, really grateful to people and to feel bad if you ever need anything from anyone but it's like we all need things from all people all the time like we're social creatures we're living in a we live in a society you know like we're we're interconnected like you're always going to need something from somebody even when you call like customer service you know what i mean you could get someone who's more or less helpful and sometimes like you need someone Who's really going to listen and be helpful? I feel that way about doctors and nurses. And it's like, I can sincerely thank my doctor, for instance, for really listening to me and helping me get diagnosed with SIBO. And like, I have not been able to get anyone else to fucking listen without also just feeling like a piece of shit, you know, because it's just part of like, it's part of his job and it's part of our jobs as humans to like help each other. So I will leave you... Well, I'll leave this topic with, uh, I might be paraphrasing, I think this is the phrase, but from our favorite book ever, Braiding Sweetgrass, (laughs) uh, there's a part in there where the author Kimmerer talks about how, and forgive me because I forget which... which tribe but there's a indigenous wisdom that says, you know, store your grain in your neighbor's belly and then you both will be fed, you know. And the idea is that like don't keep the surplus for yourself, give it to your neighbor and then when your neighbor has surplus and or you are in need, your neighbor is going to feed you and through this practice there's you're stronger and you have more security. By actually giving away the things that you don't need and helping other people and building out that like mutual that that culture of mutual aid and that idea of, again, like my friends hearing my sisters in trouble and being like, okay this is our problem now. Like we are invested in solving this issue as if it was our own family member, because when you seek to live in community, that is how it is. Um, and that's you know what I'm hoping my sister can come to fully internalize. That's what I'm hoping other people listening can come to fully internalize. And I'm also also hoping people can, if you don't have that mindset and if you don't have that in your life, you can create it and cultivate it and seek out other people who do have that mindset. Because I certainly have been around people who did not feel that way. I dated someone who made so much money and so much more money than me, and he did not even have that mindset about me, you know, his partner. So I'm not saying it's a common mindset, but what I'm saying is when people give us help freely because they're our friends or our family or our comrades, even if we don't know them, um, it's part of being like this, this interconnected global community that a lot of us, you know, believe in and want to be. And it's not something that I would never want to give my help and then have someone feel bad because of my help. So it makes me feel bad when the person I've given help to can't seem to process that help in a healthy way and just feel good about it and, like, move forward. So, yeah, put half of your sandwich in your friend's belly (laughs) and then take half their fries (laughs) and then everyone's happy. All right, kids. Oh, that was supposed to be quick and, you know, it's, it's almost like I haven't been doing this for years and years and years that I still, how many years later, think I can just sit down and do a quick episode. But it was really, really good to be back. Um, I do want to say I have links. If you do want to financially help my sister, again, um, the other things that I asked for are... Amazing if you can help with those, if you have money to throw at the situation, we'll take it. I'm not pressing for it too hard, but um, also if you happen to be listening and you're not a person I've reached out to and you have a decent sized like social media network or platform, if you could promote her fundraiser, um, that would be a huge help. And then I just have links to her GoFundMe, PayPal, and Venmo below. Um, I'm trying to encourage people to donate via the PayPal or the Venmo because GoFundMe makes it actually really hard to get your funds out. The last time we did a fundraiser for her, it took like a month or two, I think, for her to get the money. Whereas with the PayPal, it goes right into her PayPal account and then she can transfer it to her bank within... Um, one to three days. So uh, totally up to you, whatever you're comfortable using, but that's just kind of like what the deal is. The GoFundMe is going to be promoted on that YouTuber's video, so that should have a good amount of funds, but we've been trying to drum up funds through PayPal that she can use right now until that fundraiser happens to get her through so that she knows like... Um, That's, you know, they can buy groceries, they can pay their bills and everything. So that's that. And then I just wanted to say I'm very excited. I have a pretty good backlog of interesting questions and topics. Uh, So coming up is going to be moving in with advice for moving in with a partner for the first time. I'm really excited to talk about that. Um, I mentioned before toxic positivity in the pandemic, endemic, epidemic epidemic. I can't remember words, um, but just kind of, like, how to emotionally process the way that the rhetoric around the, around COVID has changed, where we're kind of being gaslit that, like, everything's all better when it's, like, clearly not. Class differences in relationships is a topic I'll touch on at some point, and a big one that I'm excited to talk about, I almost talked about this today, but I wasn't quite ready, is to talk about sedation trauma. Um, I was put under for my endoscopy, which I think I mentioned having scheduled. And I was really traumatized for like a couple weeks after at being put out and feeling like I wasn't given proper information. Um, And in talking to my brilliant, beautiful friend, Maureen, she was like, oh, I bet that's, like, a thing, you know? I bet there's, like, theory and research and stuff around that. So I've started looking stuff up, and it is a thing. Apparently, there is a connection between having, like, sexual trauma specifically and um, being traumatized by anesthesia. Uh, Like, it, like, triggers your trauma being uh, put under. So I'm going to do an episode about that because it's something I wish I had known could happen And could have been able to advocate for myself better and maybe ask, you know, more clarifying questions and just, uh, yeah, go from there. And even, um, so I was supposed to have a colonoscopy, which I canceled for reasons. Um, And when I had my follow-up with my GI, you know, he mentioned that and I was like, I I just really don't think I need one is the biggest thing. But I was like, "If, if I'm still having this, like random symptom that I barely ever have, then, you know, I figure we can just schedule it like we can do it later. And he mentioned that um, because I mentioned I had trouble getting support, like you have to be picked up and then with it you have to fast for 24 hours and my blood sugar is really unstable. So I was scared to be fasting for that long by myself without someone here to make sure I was okay. And he was like, well, if it makes it more accessible, like, we can do it without any anesthesia. We can do it while you're awake. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, no one ever told me that that was even an option. You know what I mean? So, just shit like that. Like, I I love how I'm doing a mini episode now. But anyway, I'm, I'm very excited to talk about it and just talk about, like, what your alternatives can be, how you can advocate for yourself, but also just, like talking about it as an experience because I was pretty unprepared for how fucking triggered I was and, like, how much of a hard time I had for a couple weeks after. And even now, honestly, sometimes occasionally it pops into my head and I still get, like, really upset about it. And I just wish I had known it was a thing. So we're going to talk about it. All right. But if you have any ideas for stuff you want to hear me talk about, Please send them to me at pinkspots at gmail.com and or, well, let's say or, uh, you can send it to me via any of the social media platforms that you are connected to me on. Uh, It's been really great getting back into it. I love you all. Thank you for being so supportive of me. And other content creators taking breaks, it's, uh, it's a mistake I'm trying not to repeat now with this new platform. And it just is so much easier having, you know, very vocal, avid, avid support from all of you to do so. So thank you. My two months off were much needed and very helpful. And I'm just really excited to be back at it and excited for upcoming episodes. All right, kids, we will see you on the next one. Hey, Pinko, thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, consider supporting it by making a monthly contribution on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash pinkspots. You can also make a one-time donation on Venmo to at pinkspots, or on PayPal by using the link in the show notes below. Your donations help support a disabled, neuroqueer anarchist live off her creative work, and that's pretty damn cool.